This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're sort of wrapping up a, a great month that we've had over the last month as a church. For those who are, are visiting, I just want to fill you in this morning as I was sharing with the, the morning crowd. I, I realize sometimes, you know, we're part of church but, and we're there. Our hearts are really there. But we obviously practically are all kind of only have so much time available. We're not at absolutely everything all the time, and that totally makes sense. So we get a picture, but sometimes it's a bit like drawing. You know, I've got three daughters, and they like those join-the-dots pictures. You know, there's number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You kind of you join all the dots, and eventually you've got a trumpet or a duck or something. But my little one can't read so well yet. And she can't count so well. So she just draws kind of the way that she thinks the line should go. And then she draws a duck, but it comes out a trumpet. You know? It's like 1, 2, 7, 14, 3, 9. You know? Because <laughs> those just look like the dots that should be joined. And sometimes there's a bit of that as well. And for this evening, I'm wanting us just to, in a sense, make sure we've joined all the right dots. So we can just all be on the same page a little bit. What is God saying to us? Where is He leading us? And maybe perhaps before we continue into that, I want to ask just in this last month as we've been spending time in prayer, and I'll be sharing a little bit about that as well. Is there somebody who perhaps just has a cool story that you want to share with us? Just something that you've experienced about prayer, about God's faithfulness in prayer, about a prayer perhaps that God answered? Yes, that you want to come and just share with us really quick. Can you use this just because the guys on Facebook can hear as well? Hi, I'm Vikas. I'm from GK Campus. This is my first time here. Um, I came to Varsity this year without any way of paying for this year or for any of the coming years. And we've been praying, and last year I did a lot of bursary applications. None of them came through. And then in this week, I got off the bus from Hatfield, and I looked at my phone. I got an SMS. The SMS said, Congratulations, you have a bursary. And the bursary I got is not just for this year, but for until I finish my studies. <laughs> I mean, con- congratulations. Anyone else who just in this last month, as we've been just super deliberate in our times of prayer and consecration? Yes, Julia. Julia. Um, so as a church, we did a three-day fast, like a um, corporate fast. And I have fasted one day for fast before, but the three-day was like terrifying. <laughs> um, so I, I sort of started it, but I started with this prayer of like, Lord, show me that you can satisfy every need that you can fill. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that you can satisfy you know, even the hunger of, you know, not eating for three days. And it's amazing. The second morning I woke up and I literally thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was so faint and weak and I could barely stand up straight, let alone go to class. Or do it. But I just prayed and I was like, Lord, you are, you know, sovereign over this body and it needs to obey you, basically. And 
the way the Lord just came through and showed how faithful He is and how He can satisfy every need during that fast was amazing. And, you know, I made it through the whole three days. And I, at the end, I couldn't believe it. Like, He had just provided in every single way, and it was amazing. Thanks, Julia. And so for this month, we've been taking some time fasting, consecrating, setting ourselves aside for God. And perhaps, I'm not sure if there is someone who kind of, if you just maybe someone is like half the person they were a month ago. It might be because for the month they did sort of a full water fast. Um, But for most of us, probably we were just fasting something that we know is something that's dear to our hearts. And that not that there's something wrong with it, not that it's necessarily bad inherently, but just in a way of being deliberate and saying, God, we want to draw near to you. And hopefully in our small groups, we've been watching those sessions on prayer, just learning about prayer in a, in a powerful way, just growing in our ability to pray and in, in a sense, learning what it means to connect with God through prayer. And as we've done that over, over the last month, obviously, Right at the core of, of all of that has been this desire that kind of is driving our whole conversation so far this year in Philippians. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I want to suffer with Him. And this is the Apostle Paul right at the end of his life saying, I want to know Christ. And just fundamental to all of our prayer, to everything we've been doing over this last month specifically is, Jesus, we want to know you. We want to know you. We want to suffer with you, and we want to in some way attain the resurrection of the dead together with you. And sort of as we started on, on the fast, Heinrich, we watched this one video clip, you guys might remember, and kind of the, right in, I just wanted us to go back there in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 to 9, that as we've, most of us probably have, have broken our fast of what we were fasting of on Wednesday evening, sort of we ended the month of consecration, and prayers. We came together and prayed together and break fast together. It's just one or two things that I want us to take away from there, and we're going to get really, really practical. Isaiah 58 from verse 6. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them, and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Note, as I was just thinking over that, praying over that, I know many of us have been reading over these scriptures over the last couple of weeks. You know something that stood out for me? Yes, the type of fast that God's talking about here is not a fast where, hey, for the month of February or for a day or for three days or for a month, or I'm going to do justice and free the prisoners, pay the people who work for me properly and lighten their load. But then when the fast is over at the end of February, then I carry on to all the unrighteousness. Then I'm okay with seeing the brokenness around me again. No, obviously what God is saying here, the fast that he is looking for here is a continual fast. It's a continual sacrifice. And in this context, we're not only talking about the the giving up of food, but that in which we engage with that which is important to God. 
And the one thing that obviously we've been praying about, that we, I remember a month ago, first Monday prayer at the beginning of February, we basically just spent the whole evening praying around this one question, God, we want to know you. But specifically, God, we want to know that which breaks your heart. Lord, we want to know you in the way of knowing what is dear and close to your heart at this time. And I know many of us through this month as we've been praying, the one thing that God has been doing so much, you know, I believe in the power of prayer. I know prayer changes things. I know that. I know as we see with Jesus and his disciples, Jesus says to the three, Peter, James, and John, just before he's about to get arrested and then crucified, he says to them, you guys wait over here and pray while I go over there. And then Jesus comes back to them and he finds them asleep, not praying. And then his reaction to me says so much. It's the one time in scripture, at least according to my reading, that Jesus seems disappointed in his disciples. Depending on your translation, his wording to them is something like, what? Couldn't you even pray with me for one hour? Come on, guys. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I expected just a little bit more. And the only way that that kind of makes sense to me, if I look at it, why would Jesus react that way in that moment? I think it's because Jesus believed his disciples' prayer over here would change something about what he was going through over there. I really believe that. But you know something else that I've just also just developed a new appreciation in this month for? Is yes, prayer changes things. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer connects us to the heart of God. But you know, perhaps more than anything else that I've just been re reminded of, is that if prayer changes anything, it changes our hearts. It changes us. That when we begin to connect with in prayer, something in us changes. And I know in this month, as I was praying, God, help us to step into this fast, the continual fast that you have chosen. One of the things that I have just become more and more aware of, and I know many of the rest of us have, well, have as well, is the intense brokenness all around us. The pain and the hurt and the suffering that so many people are going through. And that sort of has been the, the one major theme I know for many of us through this month is just the brokenness of the world that is around us. Ties into the second one of Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7, sort of the main, the second major theme that kind of I know many of us have heard and has come through that in this last month as we've been praying and fasting. Isaiah 56 verse 7 and on Wednesday night as we watched the came together to, to break fast. This was sort of a main thrust of the message. And many of us would remember last week when Machatze was here, what a great word that was. What an encouraging word in so many ways that he shared with us. It came to the same thing. I will bring them. And in the context here, the them is those who are different. Those who are other, those who we do not think is worthy to be part of the Jewish group in this context those who are from a different tribe, those who are from a different nation, those who are from a different race, those who are other, a different language, a different way of doing things. God says, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. It's fascinating for me and all of these others that I'm about to say would 
be totally correct and accurate if we used this terminology that God's house is a house of hope and God's house is a house of light and God's house is a place of teaching and God's house is a house of acceptance and God's house is a house of forgiveness and God's house is a house of encouragement. It's all of those things. And yet when God speaks of his house, it's interesting the one word that he chooses to use. He says that them, those who are far, those who are different, those who you and I do not think should be worthy, God says, I will bring them to my house of prayer. My house of prayer. He carries on. He says, I will accept their burnt offerings. And obviously there's something in their heart that is changing as they are coming. They're not remaining just as they were. But I loved McClatter's message last week. And kind of he said all of this way better than I ever could. If you missed that, I'd encourage you to listen, listen to it. But you know, those that we think are undeserving or different or far, he spoke about the Syrophoenician woman, the woman who just within that Middle Eastern culture already was an outcast just because she was a woman, already a second-rate citizen, already not welcome. And she comes to the disciples and the disciples look at Jesus and they say, just send her away. Why is she even bugging us? Because not only was she a woman, she was a Syrophoenician woman. She was, in a sense, a Canaanite woman. She was a woman from the wrong tribe, from the wrong city, from the wrong people group, speaking the wrong language. And yet God extended grace to her and He built a bridge into her world, drawing her towards Him. You missed last week's message. That was a really great message. I will accept their burnt offerings and their sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer, not just a house of prayer, a house of prayer for everyone, for all nations, for those who are other, for those who are different, for those who are not like us, for those who we don't think should be here or we're not comfortable around. And you know something that God is just stirring in all of our hearts is they are exactly the ones He wants here. And for some of us, the other looks exactly like us. It might be my twin brother just choosing to live a totally different lifestyle to me. Speaks just like me, looks just like me, acts just like me in many ways, but has chosen a different path of life. For some of us, that might be the other that we don't think God is wanting to bring. For some of us, it may be something in a sense more kind of tangible, like a different people group, a different language, you know, different country, whatever it may be. But all of those, and these are the two things that I, I just so aware of. God has been stirring over and over in my heart at least, and I know in the conversations I've been having many of our hearts as we've been fasting. Is are we going to engage with what is right in the eyes of God? Are we willing to give of what we've got to alleviate somebody else's pain and their hurt? Are we willing to make ourselves uncomfortable in a way and in a desire and a hope to reach out into somebody else's pain. You know, something which is so true, and I'm not even going to try and hide the fact that many times in my life I've done this, and to be honest, many times in my life I'll do it again. I did it this past weekend. Gareth here almost sliced off his finger, opening a big gate at family camp, and I saw there's pain. But you know what's easier for me to do? There's a doctor, there's somebody else looking at the pain. I'm going to go and just be with someone who's swimming and having fun. Because looking at that pain registers pain. 
realizing, and I could see the guy shaking, and he's really sore. He kind of it wasn't quite as bad as I'm going up there, Gareth. Are you okay? Kind of, you're not going to die. Thank you. I checked with Melissa. I don't know if she's here. Is he going to be okay? She doctor says he's going to be okay. But you know, the pain is there. But it's easier for me to glance away from the pain and say, give him your finger and let me really look at the pain. And the reality is as we get in our cars and as we drive past people and as we walk past people every day, don't we do exactly the same? It's easier not to look at the pain. Because when we look at the pain, we register a little bit of the pain. Either that or we just so rock hard and we don't care and we don't even feel anything about the pain. But I, I don't think many of us are there. It's this crazy song that Brooke Fraser sings so beautifully with this one frame, with this one sort of line. And the context is I, I think she visited an orphanage in Uganda or Ghana or something like that. And while there, she wrote the song. And this one line in the song haunts me. And I hate stuff like that because you can't get away from it. But it's so true that kind of sometimes it's, you just want to drop truths and not pay attention to them because they're hard. The refrain is, now that I've seen, I'm responsible. Now that I've seen, now that I've seen the pain, now that I know the hurt, now that I know the brokenness, I can't just turn my back on it and walk away. I'm not responsible to solve it. I'm not responsible totally to fix it. But I am responsible about my response to that brokenness and to that hurt. And as we've been fasting, I know this is something that God's just been staring, stirring in my heart a little bit is, Am I willing to engage with the pain again? So for me, what's that meant a little bit? I'm deliberately phoning the people in my life who I know have pain. I'm deliberately asking me to tell them about their pain. I'm wanting them to share their pain with me because I need my heart to grow soft towards that pain. I need to say, Gareth, give me your finger. Let me see the pain. For me, it's not the blood. It's not the squeamish. It's that pain. It's like you feel it yourself. I've got a bad ankle over many years, damaged it many times. And you know, one of the things I can't watch, I can't watch slow motion and a lot of sport, but every now and again in sport, let me shock you guys quickly. We've got this little video clip on my computer. Many years ago, before YouTube was a thing, kind of you collected your own video clips that people would email you back in those days. And you download, and this is one of a guy running on a tenor, I think it's a, a grass tennis court, and he runs towards the net, and he sort of slides in to pick up the drop shot, and just before he gets that, his whole ankle just totally wraps around. You know, I, I can't watch that. I, it's even, I feel pain actually saying that because I've experienced that pain in my own ankle. It's like my own ankle registers exactly what that guy goes through. Some of you may remember, we're the soccer fans around us here. A couple of years ago, Luke Shaw's running down, and a guy comes in soccer play and tackles him and snaps his tibia in half, and his whole leg is just like this, you know, wobbly. And there's pain all around us, and kind of, some of us, we, ooh, we watch it, we put it on a replay, and some of us, I can't watch that. You know, just skip it, I'm, I'm that. It's not the blood, it's not the gore, it's the, the pain that you, but you know the same is there with real pain that people have? Pain hidden on the inside. And for me, part of the fast for us is God saying to me, saying to us, are you willing to feel the pain? Are you willing to look at the pain? Are you willing to slow down and not just look away from the pain? And tied into that is the reality that, you know, Gareth here with his sore finger, 
we can give him a bunch of pain pills, and the pain pills will help, but the pain pills aren't going to solve the problem. You know, when Luke Shaw's just had his leg snapped in half, the physio can come on, the doctor can come on and say, here, have some pain pills, and do that. But the pain pill doesn't solve the problem. It takes the edge off. It, it makes it bearable, but it doesn't solve it. And in the midst of that pain, in the midst of the hurt, there's only one thing that can truly heal it. That's what we sang about, sang about this last song, that relationship with Christ, that knowing Christ. That everything else we do, and don't misunderstand me, poverty is a curse. There's nothing good about poverty. And kind of I spent a large part of my life studying and looking into and trying to understand what makes these things work and what doesn't make it work. But you know, giving somebody fresh water or a meal or providing food or employment, all of these things are great and they help. But you know all they are? They're painkillers that alleviate the pain if the pain is sort of born in poverty. All of these things we need to do, we need to be willing to be the person giving the painkiller, but we also need to realize that the painkiller is not going to heal the hurt. That the only way to heal the hurt, the only way to bring healing, the only way to really fix right at the core of the being what is wrong is when Christ himself enters in. It fascinates me as somebody who spent many years studying economics that when Jesus comes and he speaks about the poor, he doesn't say, I came to give them bread to the poor, or I came to bring water to the poor, or I came to bring clothing to the poor, or I came to find jobs for the poor, or I came to do whatever other good thing for the poor. Don't hear what I'm not saying. None of those things are bad. We should be engaging them. We should be part of that solution as well. He says, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus had an understanding that when someone is caught in the midst of poverty, the only thing that gets them out of that is Christ and the cross of Christ. I'm not saying we don't do the relief work. Please don't misunderstand me. But there's an understanding that healing and wholeness only comes from the gospel, bringing people to relationship to Christ. So as I'm asking people to share their pain with me more and more, I'm asking God, God, how do you heal this pain. Jesus, what is it you do to fix this pain? And God, is there something that I can do in some way to have this friend of mine reach out and experience your healing? What is my role, if any, in that? Because I cannot heal their pain, but Jesus, you can heal their pain. So Jesus, is something I can do, something I can say, something I can pray, something I can give, something that will just help them to lift their eyes up to the mountains to see where their help comes from so that they can see Christ reaching out His hand to heal, to save, to restore, to do what He needs to do. And so those are sort of the, the two main themes for us over this fast that kind of, and perhaps you could probably add some things in your private life, but just this willingness to be confronted with brokenness. And an understanding that all that fixes it is the cross of Christ. So when we look at the harvest, when we speak about the lost, we don't just speak about somebody who happened to be okay through life, but just had, doesn't happen to have a relationship with Jesus. We speak about somebody who is hurt and broken with no hope of restoration. Somebody who is dying on this earth and in eternity with no hope. None whatsoever of any form of, of a happy ending. 
any form of restoration. We're talking about the harvest. We're talking about the lost. That's the reality we're at. And we're saying, Jesus, we want you to intervene in that. And so what I'd love us to do this evening a little bit is exactly a month ago on the, the 3rd of February, I shared with us something about what I believe God is wanting us to engage with for this year. Some of you might not have been here. I'm not going to recap all of it. I would love to, but obviously that's not the purpose of this evening. But what I'd like to invite you to do with us, and something that I'm excited about just in a twisted way, because sort of across the continents where we have some congregations, shofar churches, all of us are just taking this time out today to stop, to slow down in our services and to do the same thing, to pray together for where God is leading us. And so I want to invite you to spend the next half an hour or so praying together with me, with us, for where God is taking us together as a church. And for those who are visiting, you're welcome to pray with us. We would love to have you pray with us. And what I'd like us to do is turn into groups of about four or five. Find like a prayer circle, a prayer group that you can pray with. If you're uncomfortable with that, you prefer praying by yourself, you don't want to pray, that's totally fine. You can just say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to be a spectator here. That's totally okay. But if you want to engage, just turn into groups. And maybe as you turn into your group, just glance over your shoulder and see if there's someone sitting by themselves and ask them if they maybe want to join your prayer group. Let's do that. Let's find those prayer groups really quick. Turn our chairs if we need to. We're going to spend some time doing what Jesus said his house should be, a house of prayer. So obviously there are a whole bunch of different ways to pray and one isn't right, one isn't wrong. Sometimes we just need to ask what's most practical. And we're going to do this evening what Jesus said his house should be, a house of prayer. Isn't it amazing that the one thing Jesus said his house should be is probably the one thing we do least in his house? You know, like, when is the last time you went to church, to his house, and you just spent the evening praying? And that's not an indictment on any church out there. It's on us. <laughs> we try and always include a component of prayer, but we should be a place of prayer for all nations. So tomorrow evening, how that prayer is going to work, most likely, that's more what we call a prophetic type of prayer. That's a prayer where we, we slow down and we just allow God to speak to us and, and we pray out of response to that. And if that sounds really weird for you, come tomorrow and it'll make a little bit more sense. We'll love to have you there. And this evening, we're going to do a little bit different. We'll do sort of a popcorn prayer. It's a very theological term that we use in theological academics, okay? So what happens, how that works is just in your groups, in your circles, I'm going to put some topics on that are things that I'd like us to pray together for. And whoever in your group feels like praying for, just like popcorn, just pops, you know, just pop and pray. And then when you're done praying, maybe somebody else kind of feels they want to pray something into that. You just pray. You don't have to pray in a circle. You don't have to feel under pressure. It's my turn. I must find some words now. You just pray. If you have something to pray, if you don't have something to pray, you just say, yes. I agree with what they pray. That's a great prayer. Amen, Jesus, yes. You can just do that. Just agree with them. There's something powerful in that prayer of agreement. And we're going to do the list prayer thing. Is that okay with you guys? So I'm going to put some prayer points on and kind of in your group, you just pray into some of those prayer points, all of those prayer points, however much time and kind of you just want to focus on one, that's totally okay too. You guys good with that? Okay, everyone on the same page? So a couple of things. We've got sort of this, in a sense, five Five, help me with language here, fivefold, hey, there's a double term for that, okay, 
sort of a five-fold mandate that we really believe God's called us to, to be in. I don't have time to speak into all of that now. As I said, a month ago, we took some time and we broke it down. And it takes the five things are just sort of by explanation. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take about five minutes praying into each one of those five. And that should keep us going for about half an hour of prayer or so. The, so the first one is, and we'll break it down in, in detail now, but we want to reach nations and generations reach nations, reach generations, make disciples, raise up leaders, and plant churches. We know those are sort of the things that God has called us as a church family to do and continue to do. And you'll remember a month ago, one of the things I said, it is crucial, important that everything we do is birthed in prayer. I so love, just between you and me, um, please don't tell anyone else I said this, but I love the sessions that Suzette Hutting did, that some of us watched in the small groups, hope many of you watched them, where she said, and you know, coming from her as this person who's internationally in Christian circles known as the intercessor, kind of, if people talk about someone with a prayer ministry, then Suzette, internationally, Suzette Hutting's name is right at the top. I loved her saying there's no such thing as the ministry of prayer. I love that. Something I've believed for a long time, because we're all called to pray. We're all called to pray. You know who should be praying the most for the worship band and for their ministry that they're doing is not some group of people who gather in the back, as amazing as it is when there are also people gathering in the back to pray. But you know the people who should carry the prayer of that team is that team. And the people who should carry the prayer of the small group that we're doing is not the prayer in the small group. It's all of us as leaders in the small group should be praying in. I love how she shared that. So everything we do has to be birthed and undergirded in prayer. And who gets to pray? Well, all of us. So here's some practical things just to help us to pray together. If that's okay with all of us for the rest of this evening, we're going to spend some time praying around those five points. The first one is reaching nations. Starts with the nation we're at right here, the nation across the road, our own nation. You know, the nation of the office next to you or the dorm next to you, the nation of your neighbor. This nation that we are all part of. Obviously, it starts there and it starts with the commitment to reaching the lost, as I've just shared. So as we're going to pray now, sort of one of the things that you can pray is just, God, just stir our heart for the lost. Give us a love for the lost. It's interesting. Jesus gave us two prayers to pray. The first prayer they gave us to pray most of us probably know, and it goes something like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Many of us probably have heard that prayer. The second prayer Jesus gave us to pray, maybe we don't know so well. And that was the prayer where Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the field. Something about the lost, the broken, those who are far from God and to pray, so that would be the sort of the first bit, and we're going to pray in just a moment on that. Then we're going to send some Let's Go teams. That's our missions ministry. We call them Let's Go because Jesus said, therefore, go into all the world and make disciples. So we say, let's go, okay? And we want to go. I'm going to be taking a team to Burundi in May month, most likely. We're taking a team. John, is he here? He was here in the band. John at the back there is busy putting together a team to go to an orphanage area thing, Live Village and near Durban, we wanted to send teams to India and Nepal again. We want to send teams across to um, Zimbabwe and some of our other neighboring states. A whole spectrum, even some teams to, and we'll speak about this a little bit later, churches in our 
our own family that are close by to us. Let's pray into that as we're talking about reaching nations. And then also our Explore groups coming up in August, which is where we would encourage every one of us to be deliberate, to take six weeks to reach out into the nation, into our world, the people around us, into our world, and to bring the gospel into that space. So can we take about five minutes and just in our groups as we are, just spend about five minutes just praying into those points a little bit. Let's pray together this evening. We start finishing off our prayer on, on this section. The second area I just like to pray into, and you can just keep praying as I just mentioned this quickly, is just in the area of reaching generations. Obviously, you've got the university campus right across, and there's just a massive group of 18 to 23, 24-year-olds around here. We want to be reaching them, the families, as we're doing with our morning services. I mean, we had a couple here this morning, one of our elders. They've been married for 40 years today, Anton and Tani Eda. And we want to be reaching community families like that, groups like that, couples like that, families with teenagers, families with little kids like mine, and everything in between. And then our young adults, which some of us as well kind of not studying anymore, started working sort of in that really exciting phase of life before family starts and kind of it's you and just exploring so much of life has before us. We want to be answering many questions there, being in that space. Obviously, the kiddies spoke about that and just around us, the stones throw, throw from us or some of the top schools in the country are all around us and high school kids that where we can make a difference into people's lives. So if you want to just take a few moments and just pray into the various generations that we know God is calling us to reach and to bring the gospel to. So we've prayed about the different nations. and Let's take a few moments praying about the generations that God's wanting us. And then the next party, I want us just to, to pray into a little bit is we don't just want to, as we're reaching nations and as we're reaching generations, we don't just want converts. We don't just want people who know who Jesus is, but we want disciples, people who can follow him, who can walk according to his ways, who have been taught to do what he has taught us to do. And we've sort of got five key ministries or four key ministries through which we run and one new one that we're in the process of launching now. And just want to take some time praying into these ministries, Bible school, teaching people the word and to apply and read the word well. Our small groups, which hopefully many of us are involved in, week meeting on a week-to-week -week basis, praying together, sharing life together, sharing in one another, and just building deep relationships around the gospel. Our encounter series, of which Home Encounter is one of them, really equipped at bringing healing and an encounter in the Spirit and growing people in this, as disciples. And obviously Sunday services, where we are right now. And then our counseling team, which we're in the process of putting together just a new ministry we're launching into just to help us to connect with really broken people. Counseling is different to discipling. Discipling is helping people to follow Jesus. Counseling is a place of ministry where we enter into to deal with significant trauma and hurt and depression and other issues, real issues that people are struggling with. And we're busy raising up a team to help us to speak into that space as well. So if we could take five minutes or so just praying into those various ministries, praying over what we're doing there and just our desire, not so much the ministry as much as the outflow of the ministry that disciples would be made because of what we're doing. In Jesus' name, let's pray into that for a few moments. In the next area we can 
pray into is just in our area of, of leadership development. We know one of the things that God stirred in our hearts and gifted and called us to do is to raise up leaders, not only leaders in church world, but leaders who can lead across every sphere of life with integrity, with purity of heart, who can set the example, who can take the gospel and apply it practically in a variety of different spheres. And if we can spend a few moments just praying into that space a little bit, just that God would just allow us. We've got some leadership evenings coming up, our um, convergence conference and some other leadership training that we sort of do on a continual basis. Pray into that a bit, that God really would help us to, to raise up leaders who could stand strong for His name in whichever sphere that they may find themselves in. And then the last just point of prayer this evening is about our church planting. And if we could spend some time praying specifically for the churches that we're in the process of planting, some already flourishing in, in many ways, but we're going to continue to support and send teams towards and this evening pray for them. Our church is in Potsdam, which is doing fantastically among the students and growing into reaching the whole community and the families. Our church is in Polokwane and Tsinin. And then what we call fellowship groups in Nelspray, just a small group of about 20 people coming together saying, we want to make a difference in our community, in our environment. They're praying into how God would use them in that space. Similarly for Klagsdorp. And if we could take about five minutes or so and just invest some prayer into the great work that God is doing through those churches this evening. That would be amazing. Let's pray together for that. Jesus, thank you this evening that as we pray, we, we know we're praying to a God who said he would build his church and that he will continue to do that, Lord. And we also know we're praying to a God who hears our prayers and in some way, God, our prayer changes things, Lord. And our prayer over here changes something out there. And thank you that we know you heard our prayers, Lord. God, thank you that we know that an evening like tonight, Lord, is is not an evening wasted, Lord. It's an evening coming to the very heart of what you said your house should be, Lord. A house of prayer for all nations, Lord. And God, we pray that we would continue to be a people of prayer, even tomorrow night as we gather together again, that we would be praying for what is on your heart, Lord Jesus. God, we just, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. We thank you this evening just that you've revealed grace and truth to us in so many ways and God, I pray for every one of us that we would begin to see more and more the power of your answered prayer. That we would, we would be more surprised when you don't answer our prayer than when you do, Lord Jesus. And so we just commit these prayers to you. We commit the rest of this evening to you. And we say, Jesus, continue to form your character in us. In Jesus' name. Just before we go, there's one more group. One more prayer point, one more moment I'd love us to pray into and pray about before we go. And then when you're done praying about this, you're more than welcome to go. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. There is coffee and tea outside. For those who are visiting, hang around, have some coffee and tea. We'd love to spend some time getting to know you a little bit better. If you could remember to hand in those cards, we want to contact you during the week. But this last prayer group, I want us to take a few moments and perhaps just pray for each other. And maybe if you're sitting here, there's something that you'd like someone to pray with you about, something you're going through, something you're excited about, a challenge you're facing, maybe just a desire of your heart, whatever it may be. Maybe just if you have the liberty to do so, just share it in your group. And let's take a few moments and pray for each other before we leave.
this evening. Thanks so much for your time, guys. You really are amazing. But let's pray together and trust God for the people that are right around us before we leave this evening. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.